When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. Top of the eighth in Baltimore. Blue Jays taking on the Orioles. One out, runner on second for the Jays. Western Hockey League. All four series on the ice tonight, but only one game has started early in the second period. Brandon and Lethbridge in a 2-2 tie. That's in Brandon. Lethbridge won the first two games at home. My name is Reed Wilkins, Inside Sports. On Oilers and Eskimos Radio, 6.30, Ched. The Stanley Cup playoffs will start tomorrow. The game's on the ice tomorrow night. Philly at Pittsburgh, Minnesota at Winnipeg, Los Angeles, and Vegas. The other five series will start on Thursday. And that's when we'll see these guys. Works it around the far side. Not out. Held in Kevin Miller. A final shot of the right point. Misses the net wide left. And it's a shutout win for Andre Vasilevsky. Beautiful. His eighth of the year, and he had a solid game tonight. 32 saves. That, of course, the Tampa Bay Lightning, who uh, for the large part of the season were uh, atop the National Hockey League standings. Looks like that looked like they would win the President's Trophy. Didn't quite get there. Uh, Nashville wound up four points ahead of Tampa Bay, but still a 54-win season for the Lightning as we bring in Matt Salmon from the Lightning Radio Network. Hey, Matt, welcome back to the show. How's it going? Oh, it's going well, Reed. Getting ready for uh, some playoffs, and after missing it last season, it's good to be back in the dance this season. Nothing like it. The first round in the NHL is always such a frenzy with all the games going on, you know, three, four, five games a night, a lot of drama, a lot of tension. Now, I'm curious here about the Lightning, though, Matt, because there is the perception that perhaps the Tampa Bay Lightning of the final four or five weeks of the season and the Andre Vasilevsky of the final four or five weeks of the season were not the same as the team and the individual that we saw in the first five months of the year. Uh, You cover the team on a daily basis. You broadcast all the games. Fair criticism, or what have you seen? I think it is a fair criticism, and I think the culprit is the fact that this team was in first place in the Atlantic Division from October 19th up until about two weeks ago when Boston was able to challenge them and and very briefly overtake the top spot. And then the two teams were trading first place uh, back and forth for for three or four days. But, uh, you, you know, the team had been in first place for almost 70 of the 82 games this season had had a playoff spot wrapped up pretty much since the all-star break 
And I think there was a little complacency that set in just a little bit. And I think, uh, you know, the players won't sit there and say that, you know, yeah, we took our eye off the ball, but it was pretty obvious in their play. You know, they needed to uh, play some games with some meaning and, and you know, get into the, the grittiness of the playoff series. And I think that the time off between the last game, which was this past Saturday, and game one of the series with New Jersey on Thursday will help them not only relax, but also uh, focus a little bit. And now that you have a seven-game series coming up here, with a very underrated and talented team in the Devils, I think this is just what the doctor ordered. And uh, hopefully we see the team that we saw in the first uh, 60 or so games of the season, not what we saw in the previous two or three weeks. Yeah, that's uh, that's an interesting concern for sure. I mean, you you, you want to be in first place. You love to <laughs> you love to be uh, cruising and, and beating teams, but sometimes you can have a drawback. I guess we'll know better in uh, ten to fourteen days. It, it, but here's here's an interesting thing about this matchup. Uh, the, Tampa Bay didn't beat the Devils this season, did they? No, they didn't. And in fact, the Devils are three and zero in the regular season series. Of course, uh, as anybody who watches this sport knows, you pretty much throw out the regular season records, but uh, I think that what adds some intrigue to this, first of all, they were all one goal game, so it's not like one team just absolutely clobbered the other uh, in the series. They were very competitive games, some uh, relatively high-scoring games, too. But I think if there's one concern about the Devils, that it'll be interesting to see how this plays out game by game, and you can even break it down period by period and dare I say shift by shift, the Lightning, especially in the last two or three seasons, just has not defended well against the rush. Uh, the Islanders, when they had Matt Martin and, uh, you know, Kyle Opozo and John Tavares and Michael Grabner, uh, this was two three seasons ago, uh, they would light up the Lightning just because the Lightning just did not have a very good defensive presence, did not have very good gap control against the rush. And there are other teams that play a similar style that they haven't de- defended well against. And New Jersey's one of those teams. You know, you've seen the talent of Nico Heischer in this first season really come about. Oilers fans know all about Taylor Hall and what he can do. And John Hines has the Devils uh, playing a, a really, uh, you know, sound, efficient system that's given the Lightning some fits. So is that something that automatically goes away with the playoffs? No, probably not. But it'll be interesting to see how the Lightning manage the opposition, but also uh, how they match it to win this series, and hopefully sooner than later, so they get some more downtime before the second round. Well, yeah, I mean, and, and Hall had an incredible season. He's a Hart Trophy candidate. Uh, he might win it, he might not, but he's he's going to be right up there. Uh, on, he'll probably be on everybody's ballot somewhere, somewhere in the top five. That's going to be an interesting race. Matt Salmon joining us from the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning Radio Network. Lightning and Devils coming up here in the first round. So, you know, the Devils made that that trade with the Rangers uh, just before the deadline to get Ryan McDonough. Has that, uh, you know, panned out? Has that done what the Lightning, what Steve Eiserman, John Cooper, has that done what they were hoping it would do to the lineup? Yeah, actually it has, although I think in unintended ways. Uh, you know, Ryan McDonough was clearly a key target by the Lightning in trade talks for several weeks leading up to the deal on trade deadline day. And what McDonough has done is he added he's added a veteran presence. Uh, he's also been paired up with numerous defensemen, but uh, Dan Girardi a lot, of course, a former partner with the Rangers. And he's a guy who, 
you know, he, he's not like the Eric Carlson type of player where Carlson, Carlson can razzle and dazzle up and down the ice very similarly to how Victor Hedman plays. Uh, no surprise there are two Swedish defensemen. But uh, what McDonough can do is play sound defense, take guys, you know, not knock them into the fifth row, but, uh, you know, play with a physical edge to his game, play rather smartly, uh, jump into a play to create a turnover. Sometimes that's burned him with the play going the other direction. But uh, I, I think some of the little things that Ryan McDonough does have been playing out just fine. Now, the unintended help uh, that this has done is it has kept guys like Jake Dodgson and Andre Schuster on the shelf, uh, which, uh, you know, no offense to them, they've played more NHL games than I have. But uh, I've said this for years. I think we've seen the best of Andre Schuster, and that was about two seasons ago. And Jake Dodgson's play really just fell off a cliff uh, over the past three or four months. Uh, He's really struggled this season to find his place where he finished last season. So it, it's kind of settled down the defensive core, and you've got a pretty good solid six moving forward. And really, as it's turned up, the steal of the deal, while McDonough's lived up to all expectations, J.T. Miller's just been a very pleasant surprise getting top six minutes and proving to be a spark plug for whichever line you plug him into. He makes things happen and he's still defensively responsible, too. So even though he's getting those top six minutes and creating goals, more often than not, he's not on the ice when goals are being scored. And that's one of those players who will probably have a very big impact on the Lightning uh, moving forward in the playoffs. This is one of those guys when Stamkos or Kucherov or uh, Palat or, or Gord or Point, you know, some of the top names, when they get shut down by defenses, it's a guy like J.T. Miller who's going to help you find your way out of the woods and hopefully help the puck find the back of the net. Well, I think you just answered what was going to be my next question. I was going to say, give me somebody on the team whose name wouldn't be above the title on the marquee, like Kucherov or Stamkos or Sergachev or Hedman, who might be uh, an unsung guy or more of a depth guy who could make an impact for the Lightning. So Miller would get your vote there, eh? Yeah, Miller would definitely be up there. Uh, you know, I think Yanni Gord has started to really make a name for himself. I will throw a couple of other names out there just so I, I totally don't rain on your parade of uh, reading your mind before you can get the <laughs> questions out. Uh, while I would put Miller at the top of the list, Chris Kunitz, let's not forget about the steady hand that Chris Kunitz has been able to provide off the ice with leadership. You don't win four Stanley Cups by accident. He would become... If the Lightning wins a Stanley Cup uh, this year or, or whenever before he decides to retire, uh, he would be the first player since Hesse Tikkanen uh, back in, uh, was it, 1994 uh, with the Rangers, um, you know, to win five Stanley Cups in, in an NHL career. Uh, so, you know, a guy like Chris Kunitz who can also help out offensively, he's chipped in uh, more than a few people have expected goal-wise. Uh, but also, I, I think defensively, too, you know, keep an eye out for another steady guy who, you know, I, I think can help uh, you know, with the lighting, and that's Anton Strawman. You know, this was a guy who John Cooper's even said, uh, you know, Anton Strawman may not win an Oris Trophy, but his defensive partner will. And if there's one thing that we've learned about Strawman's time with the lightning over the past few years is that he can slot in with any defenseman. He doesn't have to be with Victor Hedman. He's uh, able to, you know, guide a young guy like Mikhail Sergachev. He's been able to pair up with a Braden Coburn or a Dan Girardi or a Ryan McDonough, as we've seen a few times. So he's pretty versatile 
uh, doesn't get too panicky uh, when, when the play starts unraveling, especially in the defensive zone. It can also help out offensively as well. So, yeah, those are definitely the three guys that I would say uh, you should keep an eye on, Miller, Kunitz, and Strawman, because those will be the guys that step up and really stand out when the you know, top pair of defensemen or the, the you know, top six forwards are getting shut down by the opposition. Well, the Lightning are a deep team, and uh, you know I've covered Taylor Hall, and I know how dangerous he is, and good for New Jersey for getting in, but I, I think that's going to be the difference. I just I just don't think they're ultimately deep enough to, to take down the Lightning in a seven-game series, even if the Lightning maybe aren't, aren't quite at their best. But uh, as always, it's going to be thrilling to watch. Matt, I know it's busy for you. We really appreciate you checking in. Always love having you on the show. Enjoy the first round, and obviously uh, maybe we'll do this again, right? Yeah, absolutely, Reed. Uh, hopefully it's just a couple weeks from now we're preparing for round two. I appreciate you having me on the show, and uh, thanks again. We look forward to talking with you hopefully sooner than later. That is Matt Salmon checking in from the Lightning Radio Network. Yeah, I, I, know, so I know maybe that the Devils have become a little bit of a sexy upset pick here taking on the Tampa Bay Lightning. I don't see that in the first round, even though the Devils, uh, like Matt said, did go 3-0 in the season series against the Bolts. The Blue Jays get on the board. Now a 1-0 lead for the Jays in the bottom of the eighth in Baltimore, but here's the problem. The Orioles with runners on first and third with nobody out. We'll keep you updated inside sports on 630 Chet. This is Mike Riley from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chet. All right, so the Orioles have just picked up a hit here to tie it. I don't know if they're going to send the other runner. No, they'll have runners on second and third with nobody out. Bottom of the eighth, 1-1 Blue Jays and Orioles. Tight game tonight. Western Hockey Lake. 3-3 now, Lethbridge and Brandon. Seven minutes left in the second period. Lethbridge leads that series two games to nothing. Moose Jaw and Swift Current underway about seven minutes in. No score. That series is tied 1-1. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Inside Sports on 630 Ched. Some guests on the show get gift certificates to Northern Chicken. Bring down south comfort food to Edmonton with Southern Classics and other tasty treats. Salivate over the menu at northchickenyeg.com and of course find them at 124th Street and 107th Avenue. Washington Capital are going to start Philip Grubauer in Thursday's opener against Columbus. He outperformed Braden Holtby down the stretch to earn that start. The Detroit Red Wings say they will bring back coach Jeff Blashill for a fourth season. GM Ken Holland saying that the team played hard for Blashill until the end of the year. Detroit, of course, out of the playoffs this season, Blashill will coach the Americans at the World Championship next month in Denmark. You can text 630-630. The phone number is 780-496-0063. Kellen Kennedy is our studio producer this evening. Hey, Reed. Kellen, you did not work yesterday. Nope. But uh, we usually do this after, well, we always do it after WrestleMania. Right. You give us a little bit of the recap. Mm-hmm. So later than usual. Uh, but I don't, I don't have a clue what happened. Yeah. Roman Reigns was in it? Yes, he was Did in... Did he fight Lex Luthor? <laughs> no, uh, Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar, yeah. And who won? Uh, Lesnar walked out the Universal Champion, which was a shock to many, for sure. Now, what um, is the Universal... So you're not just the champion of Earth? No, it's like a, the whole solar system? and all, you're Like, a, can aliens compete for the Universal Championship? I guess. <laughs> Depends on what the Athletic Commission say, right? 
you know? <laughs> right. You have to make sure they haven't had too many concussions. Exactly. And for the aliens with three heads, there's no way they're getting approved. Yeah, no. One of the three is going to have a concussion. For sure. Okay, so that was so. don't they call it the world championship anymore or the heavyweight title? There is still the WWE championship. What they did a few years ago was they split uh, Raw and SmackDown again as two kind of separate shows. So yeah, so the it's Raw like, champion, would it be like you have Smackdown the American champion. League and the National League? That's right. But there's no World Series. No. Okay. No. no. I mean, there's it's they kind of have an All Star game every November, which is Survivor Series. But oh, that's of course, it. Survivor Series. Yeah, who doesn't know about but that? But that's about it. Uh, okay. So you got uh, you got Roman Reigns. Yes. Beat uh, Brock Lesnar. No, no, no. Brock Lesnar beat Roman Reigns. That's what Other I meant. Around. Yeah. So did he retain the belt or take it away? Brock was the champion walking in, so he retained. And who was the good guy and who was the heel? Uh, that's debatable. Um, oh, but the wow. Way they, the way Wrestling they, has changed. The, the way they wanted... They had two <laughs> shades of gray in there, Reed. Two, two shades of gray. Two shades of... Did they have 50 shades of gray? Now, that would have been something. <laughs> that's a crossover that, for later that, on, that, I think. That would have... That would have been uh, that would have been something to the person calling in. Kellen can't answer the phone right now because he's because he's on air. Uh, okay, so now what what else? We were short for time, and we're yes. not going to spend an hour on WrestleMania. But no, I'll give you and a few you need minutes. like at least four or five hours to dissect it all because well, it's a seven-hour okay. show. So, <laughs> all right. So give me one other bout or individual of significance from WrestleMania. Ronda Rousey. Uh, she made her WWE debut in a tag team match, uh, teaming with Kurt Angle. They defeated Triple H and Stephanie McMahon. So Ronda Rousey made her in-ring appearance and in-ring debut, I guess, for WWE at WrestleMania. And, and Stephanie. McMahon is she related to Vince McMahon? That's Vince's Doesn't daughter. Doesn't he own WWE? That's right. Okay. So how many? What would you give this WrestleMania out of ten for entertainment value? Oh, eight out of ten. Oh, really? Yes. Okay. Has there ever been a ten? Uh yeah. There's. Uh, trying to think back in my mind. So it wasn't you know, the best way back show in the ever. Day, but you know, there was has tens. there ever been one you've given like a four or five? Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> the one I went to in person last year. Was that where in was Orlando. that one? Oh, you went to the one in Orlando. Did you go to one in New Orleans? Too? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, Kellen, thank you for that update. You got it. If you'd like to purchase sponsorship of our wrestling <laughs> report, we do about three or four a year. We do it after the Royal Rumble. Uh, we do it after WrestleMania. Uh, well, do we do it after SummerSlam? Yeah. Okay, and then maybe some other random time we'll do it. Pretty much where we feel like it, yeah, for sure. They right. can go to my Twitter and find out more about uh, Sunday's card anyway, so... Well, imagine if people cared that much, they probably would. You have, to, you have to pay to watch it, though, don't you? Uh, they were giving it away for free in the States, but there's all sorts of little... Well, you're, we're not in the things. States. So. <laughs> but up here, you had to pay, yes. Okay. <laughs> the Fizzler texting the show today. Los Angeles over Boston in the Stanley Cup final. He goes, uh, also says, I heard you on Oilers Now today. Reed, it was really good. Even old Bobby was on point today, although he, I noticed he grumbled when you said the Fizzler has some entertaining texts. LOL. <laughs> it's from uh, the Fizzler, who uh, usually texts Oilers Now, but sometimes we get a treat from him here on Inside Sports. Sticks out for Humboldt. We'll talk to the guy behind it when we get back. This is Cam Talbot from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chad. All right, Curtis 
Branderson has just homered for the Toronto Blue Jays in the top of the ninth. They now lead the Orioles 2-1. Tight game there tonight. No scoring till the eighth. Each team scored one in the eighth. Now the Jays go ahead in the top of the ninth. Western Hockey League action. Swift Current up 1-0 on Moose Jaw. Halfway through the first period, that series is tied 1-1. Also game three, Brandon and Lethbridge. The Wheat Kings are ahead 4-3 late in the second period. Lethbridge leads the series two games to nothing. My name is Reed Wilkins. It's Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio 630. Ched, really appreciate you tuning in tonight. If you've, uh, well, not just on social media, but I, I think that's where it really got going. But you may have seen the uh, initiative, the hashtag sticks out, sticks out for Humboldt. And uh, the guy who kind of got that rolling joins us now, Chad Linz on the line. Chad, you're on with Reed. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing all right. How are you? I'm doing well. I appreciate you coming on the show. Um, Chad, I'll, I'll kind of let you tell this, tell the story here, and I know there's a, there's a broadcaster involved in this who earlier in his career used to work right here at that, this station, uh, Brian Munns, but t- just tell us a little bit about this, the sticks out idea to begin with and then how it sort of took off. Yeah, you know, it really, it really wasn't even an idea. It was, you know, I think uh, just a culmination of the weekend in and of itself. You know, it, I think to some degree I was maybe a bit surprised at how overwhelmingly emotional the weekend was, even, you know, for a guy having grown up in Humboldt, but, you know, really haven't lived there now in, in 20 years or so, although I go back often. Uh, you know, the whole weekend, you know, was incredibly emotional, and, and I think you know, culminated in, in the vigil on Sunday night, you know, watching the camera pan through the crowd and, and, and seeing the faces of, you know, friends and family and folks you worked with and folks you went to high school with. And, you know, I, I'm of a vintage now that, you know, I went to high school with, with some of the parents of, of kids on that team. And, and uh, you know, it, it, uh, it just kind of built up over the weekend. And, and I think, you know, like, folks that grew up in a small town many of us have moved away over time and we live in different parts of the world it uh you know as the night went on i i think i just felt some need to kind of be connected especially to that group of people that i I grew up with there and 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 there's some irony in it all in that you know those that know me know i have a a fairly distinct aversion to social media i don't uh, don't have a facebook page i don't have a twitter account i don't know what the snapchat is um, but I did want to kind of reach out to those folks, and and uh, you know the inspiration for the stick. Uh, you know I don't I didn't really have one. It just seems like something to do um, to just kind of show um, some solidarity with with the community and, and, and with the team. And, and the original intent was to just text it out to a few folks uh, you know that have spread themselves out over uh, you know the better part of North America now that are all from Humboldt. And uh, of course, Monday was one of, of those guys. And I really only got it out to a handful of folks and then and then kind of didn't think much of it. And, uh, you know, the next morning got a call from Brian and uh, he said, uh, I don't know how to tell you this, but I tweeted your, your text and I think it's kind of blown up. Um, so I think uh, I think he might have been a little concerned. I might have been upset with him. But, um, you know, in the end, it's it's uh, I think it's turned out to be um, something that may have been helpful for lots of folks. 
Well, it has been pretty amazing, and, and I mean, Brian Munns, uh, you know, tweeted out the the picture of the stick you put outside your door, and the text you sent him, leaving it on the porch tonight. The boys might need it wherever they are, and, and it really did take off. So, I mean, Chad, what does it mean not just to see thousands of Canadians doing it, but to see Cam Talbot tweeting a picture of his house and saying thought they might need some goalie sticks, and then the Anaheim Ducks as a team going one by one and uh, putting sticks outside the arena. I mean, what does all that mean to you? Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's been, I guess, you know, a little a little bit overwhelming. Um, you know, I just got back from a walk here in Winnipeg with my family and, and, you know, walked by, you know, no less than a dozen sticks out, out on the doorsteps here in my own neighbourhood. And then even, you know, to the degree, as, as you've talked about it, I, I think it just speaks to how how visceral, you know, this this tragedy has been to everybody and how close everybody feels to it. And, and that, you know, I think everyone feels that could have just as well been them or their kids or their, you know, neighbors or nephews. And, and I think that, you know, connection, I think when when you grow up in a town the size of Humboldt, you know, you're only a degree and a half of separation from virtually everybody, let, let alone the, the, the Humboldt Broncos. And I, and I think, you know, tragedies like this sometimes have the ability to kind of make, make the larger community, um, you know, uh, feel like they're only a degree and a half away from each other as well. Yeah, Chad Lynn's joining us on Inside Sports tonight. As he mentioned, lives in Winnipeg, originally from Humboldt. And Chad, I'm not, I mean, I'm not trying to be uh, sarcastic, but I, I almost want to call you the unintentional creator of the sticks up for Humboldt because, <laughs> like you said, you, you didn't really know and you didn't have social media, so you didn't really know it would it would kind of get rolling to this extent. But um, being being from Humboldt. And, and it's funny, Chad, I mean, I, I grew up in a town called Evansburg, which is only 100 kilometers away from Edmonton. I haven't lived there for a long time like you, but I, but I talk about it all the time, right? Like, that's, that's mm-hmm. where you're from, and when you, then when you go to live in a big city, you like throwing out the little town you're in, right? But, uh, but just what can you tell me about, and it, and it sounds like you're in touch with a lot of people back there, just what can you tell me about that community and the, the Broncos' connection to the community? And I, I know it's going to be challenging, and this will never go away. But uh, just the strength and people in the in Humboldt. Yeah, you know, I think it's like many many communities, you know, in the prairies, uh, just like it. You know, and you talk about resilience and, and of a people. I mean, it's a farming community, you know, that's built on on the resilience of of the folks that that have been there, you know, for a long time. So uh, no doubt that's there, but, you know, the importance of a a team like the Broncos to a community like that, as you well know, you know, living in a small town, it's, you know, as I mentioned, you're you're a degree and a half away from virtually everybody. So if you don't know them, you probably kind of know them. You just probably didn't didn't know it or want to realize how close you were to it. And, you know, the, the arena in a small town like that, I was joking with some friends before, you know, how many hundreds of Bronco games have I been to and I've probably watched 50 of them because as a kid you spend more time running around the rink than you than you do actually watching the game because it's, it's just the social hub of a long, cold winter in Saskatchewan. Um, so the, the hockey club then becomes just, you know, a pivotal part of, of the community. Um, you know, again, I, I think I was a bit surprised at how, uh, how overwhelmed I was by emotion and and I think it's just a reminder, you know, I'm, you know, uh, quick to point out where I'm from. And I think it's the same as, as you mentioned, you know, I, I, I wear it fairly proudly on my forehead um, often and um, have had people reach out 
uh, from from all over the place, um, and and with really raw emotion, um, you know, offer their condolences and and just to let them know that they were thinking about everybody back home. So. Yeah, well, I mean, I've, I mean, uh, like I said, I've, yeah, I've seen it all over Twitter and Facebook, and I, I can't even know if I read or heard a story about just a, a little kid saying to a mom last night, like, "Well, we, we got to leave the stick out, right? Like, they, they might need it." So it's, it's really captured a, a, an energy with, with people of all ages uh, all across the country. So, uh, Chad, I appreciate you sharing your story. Uh, the last question isn't going to be really a question, and if you don't have anything to say. Uh, you don't have to, but I, I just kind of want to leave it open-ended here. If there's just anything else you'd you'd like to add, either about Humboldt or the sticks or just anything that's in your mind or heart right now. You know, no, I, I don't think so. I mean, I, you know, I, I guess the only thing I, I've been granted, you know, neither the right nor the authority to speak on, on behalf of Humboldt or the Broncos, but, you know, I think just to anybody out there that, that uh, you know, is listening, just a, a heartfelt thank you, I think, to, to everyone. Um, you know, talking to folks back home and, um, you know, just the gestures that, that have been out there just from too many organizations and people to mention have have been, um, you know, greatly received and appreciated. And uh, just want to say thank you for everybody for that. Well, Chad, I think everybody listening wants to say thanks to you. Thanks for sharing your story tonight. I know obviously it's a, a difficult time, and especially for people like you who lived in that community. Thank you so much for coming on 630, Chad. Uh, it's been my pleasure. That is Chad Linz. Sticks out for Humboldt. Hi, this is Ryan Eugene Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chad. Great to meet Chad Linz. Told his story there about the sticks out for Humboldt that he got going as as I call it kind of kind of inadvertently he sent a text to a few buddies one of them was broadcaster Brian Munns and he put it on Twitter and it started rolling from there and if uh, you're on social media or you've even just walked around your neighborhood a little bit or driven through your neighborhood you've probably seen sticks on the front porch even even in apartment buildings condo buildings I've seen people putting up posts of a hockey stick or two on the uh, on the front porch or by the front door so uh, pretty amazing like chad said he's not a social media guy just thought he wanted to do something to show some connection to humboldt he lives in winnipeg now he is from humboldt still knows a lot of people there and it, it's it's a it's an incredible tragedy and when something like this happens i i always find it um difficult to talk about i think it's important to talk about but the thing that i struggle with is what what words are, are really going to be appropriate? You know, what what am I going to say that's going to make anybody um, feel better or summarize it or explain it? I mean, I mean, I don't think that there are things that are possible. This was a horrible accident. Um, you know, the things like this have, have happened around the world. I mean, there was something in, in a bus crash in India yesterday too, right? I mean, things happen that affect people. So I always feel like, you know, what what can you do? And I, I think in a lot of those situations, just as human beings, we feel helpless because we know something really bad happened. And we know we couldn't have prevented it, but you're, you're struggling for a way to express how you feel. So Chad did that, and it's it's given a lot of other people a, a way to express how they feel as well. So good for him. 
uh, good for him, and I'm glad he was able to join us tonight. You could uh, hear he was uh, emotional, and you can hear how strong his connection to Humboldt still is. So I was glad he was able to come on the show tonight and uh, talk to you about sticks out for Humboldt. I'm sure some of you listening, if you didn't have your stick out uh, last night, you'll, you're probably going to place one this evening. That's pretty cool. Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio, 630 Chad. The Blue Jays have won. Have won 2-1 over the Baltimore Orioles. They go to 8-4 and four on the season. Great start for the Blue Jays. Didn't, uh, didn't think they would be doing that well. Uh, the Big L says, uh, Reed, Canadian team that got closest to winning the Stanley Cup since 1993. So Montreal is the last Canadian team to win it. That was in 93. Let me think here. Uh, the Canucks lost in 94 in Game 7 to the Rangers, Right. They had a lot of ex-Oilers on the team. Wasn't it 3-2? I think it was 3-2 in Game 7. Didn't Nathan Lafayette hit the goalpost at some point, or Richter made a great glove save? It was close. Then uh, when did we not have anybody in? We had the Flames in in 2004. Lost Game 6 in overtime when they could have won the Cup. And that was the controversial uh, play where the puck may or may not have been over the goal line. Who took that shot? Was it Conroy that took that shot? I can't remember who took the shot. It might have been Conroy. And then uh, the Lightning won that game in overtime, won the Stanley Cup, Game 7 at home. 2006, obviously the Oilers made Game 7 against Carolina and lost. Ottawa, remember, was in the Stanley Cup final in 2007 against Anaheim. I'm just going by memory here. That was a, I want to say that was a five-game win for Anaheim. Definitely didn't go seven. I think it was a five-game win for Anaheim. And then... Uh, what did we have? 2011? Vancouver, 2011, yeah. Vancouver once again lost Game 7, this time at home. And that one was 4 nothing to Boston. The home team won every game, pretty sure, until Boston won Game 7 in Vancouver. And didn't they riot both times in Vancouver? After they did. losing Game 7 of the Stanley Cup Final? Yep. I think 2011 might have been a little worse, but there, something happened in 94 as well. So I, am I, I don't think I'm missing a Canadian team that made the final, did I? No. Montreal has not been back since 93, right? The, clo- the closest they Leafs. got was, uh, what was it, a conference final berth in 09? Uh, I think in 10. In weren't 10 they, against Weren't they just right? in the conference final in 14? Montreal, so. Montreal made, made the East final a couple times in the last 10 years. Yeah. So Montreal hasn't been in. Leafs obviously hasn't been in. Winnipeg hasn't been in since they've been back. Uh, yeah, I think that was it. So Vancouver's been in the final twice. And then Ottawa... Calgary and Edmonton once each. So just two teams, Canadian teams in the playoffs this year. They're both really good though. Now Toronto's in a tough division. So they got would have to go through Boston and then potentially Tampa Bay if Tampa Bay beats New Jersey and Winnipeg, like I mentioned, finishes with an incredible record. Well, second overall in the league. Oh, the first overall team in their league is in their division. So, uh, yeah. And the Leafs were, uh, what were they, seventh overall? Yeah, they were seventh overall. Actually tied with Washington. Washington had the tiebreaker. So two good Canadian teams in the playoffs. Are they good enough to go all all the way? Are the Leafs good enough to get out of the first round? I'm picking Boston. And if not for my stubbornness... I would be picking Winnipeg in the first round, but because Minnesota was my preseason Western Conference pick, I'm staying with that. 780-496-0063. You can text us at 630-630. 
Uh, Trucker Dave says, Hi, Reed. A really emotional weekend. Went to the game on Saturday, and I was moved by Oilers fans. We have a great fan base, and it was a good game. This texter says, You look for something good. Canadians are passionate, caring people, and people grieve in different ways. Mostly they feel helpful at the same time as feeling helpless. We grieve and persevere. This is in the... Uh, just talked to Chad Linz, who is the, uh, I get, like I said, kind of the unintentional creator of the sticks out for uh, Humboldt hashtag and the initiative that's uh, going all the way across the country. Thanks for those texts to 630-630. The uh, Oilers are done playing. They haven't quite wrapped up their season because we're still waiting to hear from General Manager Peter Shirelli. Nothing has been announced. I know... Uh, Todd McClellan, under most circumstances, would have done his year-end availability on Sunday, the same day the players did theirs. Obviously, you know that Todd McClellan went to Saskatoon, went to Humboldt, so he did his on Monday. Most GMs have, have spoken. Oh, by the way, Pierre Dorian, the GM of the Ottawa Senators, at a fan town hall today, was, was said, will you guarantee you won't trade Eric Carlson at the draft? And he said yes. So take that for what it's worth. Guess he could trade him a day after the draft. So other GMs have spoken. So we're waiting for Peter Shirelli to speak. I know people have asked me about this. Got a couple of texts. I don't know when he's speaking. By by this time on Sunday night, the Oilers had told us be there for Todd at 10 a.m. Monday. So this could be where maybe tomorrow morning we get a notice that it's going to be at whatever time. Uh, we plan on bringing it live for you here on 6.30 Chad whenever Peter Shirelli speaks, but I have not seen anything scheduled along those lines. Maybe it won't be until Thursday. We'll have to wait and see. I hope it's tomorrow. Uh, Richard says, This is why I love hockey so much. It's different than other sports. It has more of a grassroots fabric to it. I have my stick out for Humboldt. That is from Richard. Well, yeah, well, I, mean, I think uh, people would rally around other sports too, and, and perhaps it might depend what part of the world you're in, to, uh, what has the most grassroots feel. But it is, it is pretty cool people are doing this. Uh, this texture says, uh, Reed, you might have missed this. Well, I did miss this. Thanks for this, because I am just going. I was just going off the scoreboard here online. I wanted to let you know, uh, Osuna, this is from Mike B, uh, Osuna, the youngest player to reach 100 saves. Way to go, Asuna and, the, Asuna and the Jays. So there you go. Asuna gets the save tonight. Blue Jays hold off the Baltimore Orioles 2-1 to go to 8-4 and four on the season. I didn't, I didn't see that coming from the Jays. Now, we'll see. I mean, this isn't as good a team, I don't think, as they had two, three years ago when they were in the playoffs, right? But, hey, sometimes a good start can make all the difference. And, and you know, tying it back to the Oilers, they had a bad start, and that's one of the reasons why uh, that they had a tough year. Though Todd McClellan did say it's it's kind of too simple just to blame the start on the whole year. I think that's too simple. We've got to dig deeper. Uh, we're going to dig deeper. We're... Uh uh, we're going to turn over a lot of stones. We're going to look at uh, at individuals. And now, when I say that, it, it's it's top down. It's there's people above me that have to evaluate um, situations, and they are, and they will. Um, you know, when I talk about what we're going to do, it's usually from Peter and I on down, and uh, we're going to you know, turn everything over. We're going to look at individuals, their performances, why they were really good, why they weren't, uh, what impacted. Uh, we as the coaching staff have on that how can we help them 
Uh, then we'll look at the, them as individuals. How did they manage themselves? What could they change? What recommendations would we, would we give them? What will they give us? <coughs> Excuse me. And we'll work on those things together. Then we'll we'll put pieces together. Uh, we'll look at pairs and lines and, and combinations of players. We'll look at systematic play, uh, specialty teams, um, approaches to practice, tempo and practice, drill selection. There's a whole gamut of review that has to be done. Uh, we'll look at where the game is going, um, what we need to do to uh, to play the way the game is going to have success. So we've got work ahead of us. Well, no doubt about that. Oilers head coach Todd McClellan will see what the future of his assistant coaches are as well. Like I said yesterday, uh, kind of non-committal. Maybe he was just being careful because there are probably still some meetings to be held, but uh, definitely one of the storylines to follow for the Oilers here in the offseason. So if Peter Shirelli speaks tomorrow, we'll have a recap and highlights on Inside Sports. Uh, if he doesn't, we'll have fun with some other stuff. Blue Jays did win it 2-1, like I mentioned. Western Hockey League, final look at that scoreboard. Brandon up 5-3 on Lethbridge early third. Lethbridge leads the series 2-0. Moose Jaw and Swift Current 1-1 after 1. And the series is also tied 1-1. Everett and Portland, Victoria and Tri-City still yet to get underway. Thanks to our guests tonight. You heard from Chad Linz, Matt Salmon, Brian Blessing and Kelly Moore. Thanks to Kellen Kennedy for the WrestleMania recap. He's our studio producer this evening. The producer of the show is Dave Campbell. My name is Reed Wilkins. Really appreciate you tuning in tonight. Have a great evening. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.